Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Awesome. It's good to be here on a beautiful September day. Uh, we have friends in Alberta. They have toques on and hats and gloves. And we are here on our deck hanging out, cutting the lawn. And the only downfall of summer being so long, you got to deal with spiders and wasps much longer, which I am not a fan of either. So I tell my kids that all the time, if there's a wasp on the deck and I'm with you, you're on your own. So let me pray and we'll dive in. Jesus, thanks for this morning. Thank you that you love us, that you're with us. Thank you for what you continue to do at this church and for each one that is here. Thank you for the history of this church and for uh, what it means to uh, do your kingdom. Uh, we're grateful, we're humbled that we can come and uh, learn from your word and, and be together as a body. And we pray, Jesus, that you uh, guide us now through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, today we are talking about vision and for the church. And, and I know sometimes when we talk about vision, there's a lot of information being thrown at you. And being the guy up front that hates to share that information with you, at times it's a little challenging as well. Uh, so what we do, though, is we talk about vision, how important it is for the life of our church. As we think about what God is doing in our church, what God is doing in and through you as well. So we want to talk about vision, what lies ahead about this church, what God is going to continue to do. Uh, we also want to give thanks for what he's done uh, up, to this, up to this point. And uh, we should be grateful for sure. Uh, I've been getting older, and, and I know I don't look a day over 25. I totally get that. Uh, but as I'm getting older, my eyes are going on me a little bit. And I need to uh, wear glasses the odd time when I'm reading. Uh, but there's different parts of our vision that can go. And there's different uh, ways our eyes can work. And for some people, uh, some people might have nearsightedness, meaning basically that they're able to see what's really close, but not far away necessarily. And maybe that's you today. Uh, some people have farsightedness, where they can see distant objects really clearly, but nearby might be a little bit blurry. And some people have colorblindness, where everything is the same, having a hard time telling the difference uh, between colors themselves. And some folks have tunnel vision. And sometimes tunnel vision isn't always good because we can look at things through a very narrow window. Now, as we talk about uh, vision and the purposes of vision, we want to give thanks for what God has done, but we also want to look at what lies ahead here for Meadowbrook Church. And we're excited about what God is doing. And we're going to dive into uh, the book of Nehemiah, out of chapter 2, for a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time there because there's so much there. And I encourage you, if you get a chance to go through the book of Nehemiah, there's some really really good things there. Great leadership principles, uh, just the, the humility of Nehemiah, and some principles we can all learn from. So if you have an opportunity, I encourage you to do that later on today or sometime this week. Now, Nehemiah had a burden. Uh, God had put a burden on him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, he was brokenhearted at what had happened and what he had heard. And Nehemiah was a guy who was living a pretty good life. Uh, his job was he was a cupbearer for the king. And what essentially that meant was that when food was supposed to be served to the king, Nehemiah would be the first guy to taste it and make sure it wasn't poison. So not a great job necessarily, especially if somebody decides to add something in there. And so something to consider. So he was very close to the king. He had a very good relationship with the king. The king trusted him. Now, Nehemiah was living a pretty good life. Uh, he was a part of that kingdom there, and he was doing work for the king, and there's lots of peace and serenity going on. But one day... Uh, he got some awful news. Uh, he got some news from his brother that the walls of Jerusalem have crumbled and they're in trouble. And Nehemiah's heart broke over this news. 
Uh, he was burdened by what he had heard. And now his whole life is going to take a whole different direction. Uh, he was shattered in his heart, but that brought him to his knees. And he is now going to figure out what he has to do. So he goes through a bit of a journey. Uh, he fasts and he prays and he asks for favor from the king. And one time he was in the presence of the king and the king had asked him, why are you so downcast today? And Nehemiah told him the struggle. And again, I encourage you to read it on later on. But basically what happens is the king says, all right, Nehemiah, I'll give you what you need. I'll give you a safe passage. I'll give you the lumber. I'll give you everything you need to get to where you need to get to so you can start rebuilding the wall. And it's amazing to think about what he went through. And one of the parts of scripture I love in this story is this. And we read out of Nehemiah 2, and it says this. And this is Nehemiah speaking. And he, he disinspected the wall, and he came back to report. And then he said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. Now, as Nehemiah went through the journey, he, he had a lot of opposition, a lot of critics, a lot of people came towards him and says, what you're doing is wrong. We're going to do what we can to go against what you're trying to do. And what's incredible about this, that Nehemiah was used by God to rebuild the wall under all these circumstances, financial pressure and heartache. And the wall was built in 52 days in spite of all the chaos that he was dealing with. And the enemies of Judah were coming after Nehemiah. Now, as I tell you that story, as we look at that, we are far removed from Nehemiah's day. Absolutely. We get that. We are living here today. But as we look at our world, our world is a broken world. The church and the world is so separated right now. And when you look at Nehemiah in his life, he was given a vision by God to do something. And that's what he did. He was burdened by God to do something. And as we think about that in our lives, as we think about that as a church, has God given you a vision? Has God given you a vision for his kingdom? See, we believe that God has given a vision for the church and he continues to do great work here. And as we talk about vision, we gotta ask ourselves, are we gonna be a church of vision that's gonna make a difference for the kingdom? For the kingdom of God, because Nehemiah was broken and he wanted to do something different. He wanted to rebuild the walls and he was used by God mightily. And as we come together this morning, as we talk about vision, that's the idea that God has given us, that we can make an impact for his kingdom. George Barna, he's a research guy. He does a lot of polls within the life of the church and different religious groups. And this is what he says. Vision for ministry is a reflection of which God wants to accomplish through us to build his kingdom. So it's a reflection of what God can do in and through us. And it's something to consider as well. Uh, Helen Keller, uh, she was deaf and she was blind. Uh, but she had said this, she was asked the question, what would be worse than being blind? And she replied, to have sight without vision. And sometimes we can go through life without having a vision uh, that God has put on our hearts. That sometimes we, we play it safe or we just kind of live within our own little world and we don't step out when God is calling us. As we talk about vision today, and I want to say this and be very clear about this, God has done some great things through Meadowbrook Church up to this day. The history here, the heritage here, has it been a perfect journey? Absolutely not. There's no perfect church. But God has done great work here. And we give him glory for that. And he has used this church. He's used you. 
We also want to look forward as to what he's going to continue to do through Meadowbrook Church. Now, when you think about vision and why we need it, we need vision because it builds morale. It helps us to stay focused. It helps us to have a team unity in place as well. And the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians, and this is Paul, the Apostle Paul talking. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there'll be no division among you, but that you'll be perfectly united in mind and thought. See, when we have unity together, God can do tremendous things. If you don't have unity in your family, there's going to be trouble. If you don't have unity in your business, there's going to be trouble. If you don't have unity in the church, we're really in trouble. And I will say this up front, we have unity here. We do. Absolutely. There's good unity here at this church. God has done a great work over the years, and that has continued forward. And we are so grateful for the unity here. And we need to continue to build that up towards as we move forward together. When we have vision, it reduces frustration. Paul urged the believers to stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith and for the gospel. You know, when you don't have a plan and you don't know the clarity of what you're supposed to do, I don't know about you, but for me, frustration can build in very quickly. And the great thing about having a vision, it reduces frustration. It gives us clarity of mind and thought. We know where we're headed. We know where you're going. Imagine at your job, your boss comes up to you and says, go do it. And you're like, well, what am I doing? If you don't have a clue, you're not going to know what to do. But if you have an idea as to what you're going and what's going to be happening, it reduces some of that frustration. It aligns focus as well. It helps us to be on the same page. The Bible says, I am bringing all of my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting what is behind and looking forward to what lies ahead. Focus is an important thing when it comes to uh, being together for the church. Sometimes we can be all over the map, in our lives and in the church when we're doing so many different things, but we don't have focus. We don't have alignment. We don't have clarity of mind. And that's why we need focus because if things are blurry for us as a church, we're going to be in trouble. One day an insurance man, was ha- he had, bu- had by an eyesight since he was a little kid, and he went to the doctor, and he said, doctor, my eyes are hurting. I can't see very well. And this gentleman has never heard of glasses before. So he went to see the doctor, and he put on these glasses, And he put on the glasses and he could see. He had no blurry vision. He was super excited. And now he can see things with clarity. He was excited. He said, thank you, Jesus, for that. He phones his wife. He goes, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I can finally see. And guess what? I'm now coming home to see what you really look like. (laughs) See, when we have focus, we can see things, can't we? We have clarity of mind. And there's something to be said about that. And we as a church and as leadership uh, have been on a process over the last few months and talking about what do we need to do for the mission and the vision of the church? What do we need to bring clarity so people can understand it and get it? And we wanted to really make it clear that we made it so simple and yet so profound for the kingdom's sake, that you would all get it, that we would get it, and that we'd all be on the same page. What's beautiful about the leadership team here, including the staff, we have great leadership and we've got a great staff. We do, absolutely. And when I go to board meetings, I'll tell you this right now, I am actually excited about going to board meetings. Now, who can say that sometimes, right? I've been to churches where you want to go to the board meeting and you want to turn the other way real quick. When I go to our staff meetings and connect with the staff, we're on the same page. We want to build God's kingdom together. And we're in this together. All of us are. And that's exciting to me. 
And what's great about that, as the leadership team and the staff come together, and we talked about a birth of a new mission and vision, we were unified in that decision as well, that we wanted to keep it simple, that we wanted people to understand it. So when we talk about it, people get it. So vision is a clear picture of ministry, what God does and what does he want us to do in and through us, as you think about that. Vision's great because it, it invokes emotion. It should get you excited. It really should, because we are building God's kingdom, and there's no greater thing to build in this world. And when we get excited and passionate about the vision, it should motivate us, it should keep us up at night, because we're going, what can we do to continue God's kingdom? It allows motivation, it provides that for us, it gives us direction, and we make decisions, we know that we are focused on the decisions we're making. And vision translates into purpose. Purpose is very vital in the life of the church, so we know what we're doing. So if we decided just to get together on Sunday mornings and just do ministries without focus, that would drive us all pretty crazy, I think. And what we've decided is that we need to align and focus more. And that isn't because the past wasn't good. It's simply saying that we want to keep it simple. So you get it, and we all get it. Now, when you have purpose and vision, we are called by the Bible to, to seek him out, to seek Jesus out, to seek out the purposes for his church. And as we talk about that, and what does the future look like? Why do we exist? Why does Meadowbrook Church exist? Why are we here gathering? Why do we live where we live? Why is this church placed in this community? What is God going to do in and through us? Who are we going to reach? Who are the people we're going after? We got to ask ourselves that question. And what I mean by going after is, who are the people in our lives that we can share the gospel with, that we can invite to church, that can be part of this journey with us? You know, what culture that are we trying to create here? What's important for us as a church as we relate to one another? And how are we going to get there? How are we going to get there? When we talk about core values as well, the things that are constant reminders for us that get us excited at Meadowbrook Church, that helps us describe what's ahead and what, what is the best for us as a church and what this congregation desires to be. Those are the core values of who we are as people as well. What gets excited us as a church? What are we headed towards? Mission means that we are moving and we are in process. We are working towards a common goal as to why we exist. It's important to know that. It's important to know that you play a huge part of this journey. It absolutely plays out in all of our lives. And are you willing to dive in? Vision is a broad, brief biblical statement of what the ministry is supposed to be doing. The focus of what we are to do. What does God want us to do, and what does the future look like for us as a church? And as we talked about this, again, we wanted to make it so profound and simple, because I believe this. I believe the gospel is the simplest, yet the most profound and life-changing thing we will ever see, because it will change us from the inside out. I saw this on uh, a far side, and I thought it was funny. They're going to an information booth, and they say the worst part of it was that no one could tell them why. Why is the information booth closed? I thought it was funny. <laughs> so why? It's always a question. Why are we making these changes? What's going on? Is the church going in a completely different direction? Let me ease your, ease your struggle and say, well, yes and no. And what I mean by that is we want to get some clarity. We want to get some focus. And there's lots of companies out there that have clarity and different logos that you may know. And you, as soon as you see them, you might go, I know what that's all about. Nike, just do it. Three simple words. But you ask most people, when they see that symbol, they know it stands for Nike, which is their term, just do it. Pretty simple, isn't it? But most of you probably know it. 
And what's amazing about that phrase, it's a generational thing. People all across the board know what that means. There's a few other, others here as well. Subway, eat fresh. Got milk, you remember the mustache people? Put the milk on, they got the mustache. Got milk, pretty simple, right? McDonald's, I'm loving it. I know that's not true, necessarily, but you're trying really hard. And then, it's finger looking good. Well, my original thought was, I don't feel so good after I eat it, but that's okay. It's still finger looking good, and when you see a KFC symbol, you know what it means, you know what it stands for. Pretty simple, right? And as you notice, I use a lot of, th a lot of food things here, so that has nothing to do with my life, but just saying. <laughs> Down the hallway, we have a new vision statement. It simply says this, loving Jesus by loving people. How easy is that? So we're going to say it together on three. One, two, three. Loving Jesus by loving people. One more time. Loving Jesus by loving people. Now say it like you mean it. Loving Jesus by loving people. Boom, that's it. Do you see how simple that is? And what's beautiful about that phrase, because it's not just a phrase, it has to have legs to it. And those legs are you. You can tell anybody what we're about. You can have a conversation with somebody at your house over coffee and say, hey, what's Meadowbrook all about? Well, you know what? We're about loving Jesus and loving people. That's it. You get it. The leadership gets it. And other people will get it as well. Because we want to simplify things. And we want to keep it so focused that we're all about loving Jesus and loving people. Because if we don't love Jesus, we're going to have a really hard time loving people. Somebody amen to that right on. Because it's true. I know in my life, when I try to love people on my, on my own, and I'm far away from God, or I'm not spending time with the Word, I'm not praying, I'm not asking the Holy Spirit to change me from the inside out, people can drive me nuts. But when I'm with Jesus, those same people I actually see through the eyes of Christ. And I'll come alongside and I'll love them. That includes people that are far away from Jesus. So loving Jesus by loving people. Can you memorize that? Can you get a tattoo with that on it? All right. Maybe we'll have a tattoo Sunday. Just kidding. So vision. Again, this idea that we are in this together. And the scripture we put behind this about loving Jesus by loving people is simply what we are commanded to do in scripture. This is what the Bible says in Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. So the question I have for you and for myself as we talk about this as leadership and as a church, how well are you doing at this? How well are you loving Jesus? How well are you following Jesus? Where does Jesus stand on your priority list of life? See, if we are not tied in to the power of Jesus, we're in trouble. Apart from Jesus, we cannot do anything, nothing. And if we are tied into Jesus, the Lord and Savior of our lives, God can use us to do incredible things to change the world that we're living in. And as you've come this morning, simply asking you, where's your heartbeat with Christ these days? Where are you truly at with Jesus? Is it just for Sunday mornings for you? Or are you actually building a strong relationship with Jesus? Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. I get that. The phrase I often use in my life is I stumble towards heaven every day. Because life is a journey. It's hard. But if we can tie in and tether in to the power of Jesus and live in the hope of the empty cross, there are people in our lives that are going to see that and we're going to be able to love them. So let's keep that in mind. And only, only, only you can answer that question, where are you with Christ? 
Now, one of the things we talked about too was the mission. How are we going to do this? How are we going to build the church? How are we going to reach people? And we believe that God has designed us to thrive in community. We commit to being gracious and being a place where all people are welcome to experience the transferring power of God in their lives. And the Bible says this, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being served. Did you catch that in Acts 2? When they were hanging out, when they're breaking bread, they were having fellowship, they were praising God, what does God do? More people get saved. And that's the business we're in. We are in the saving people business through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're called to do. So as we come together and gather in community, how well are you doing that? How well is the church doing that? I think we do an okay job, but I think we can get even better at that in terms of engaging with one another, in terms of having biblical community together. You know, I've talked with people often in their lives and they've known each other for a long time, for five, 10 years, and then they find out there's a crisis in someone's life that's been going on for years, but they never knew about it. Because what happens sometimes in our Christian fellowship is we hang around with people in a living room and we're doing quote-unquote life together, but we know nothing about each other because we're not actually doing biblical community. Biblical community is when we open and we share and we're open and we're honest and we're journeying together. That's the hope as we gather together as we build this church. And there's many ways to do this, folks. We do it here on Sunday mornings. There's youth ministry. There's kids ministry. There's all these things we're trying to do so we can gather together and be together. We also want to learn together. We believe it's vital for every Christian follower to invest in their personal spiritual growth. We want to do everything we can to guide people in that direction. And the Bible says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now forever and ever. See, that's beautiful. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to him be all the glory. This isn't about Meadowbrook Church. God's gonna use Meadowbrook to be a vessel for the kingdom, but all the glory goes to Jesus. So how are you doing when it comes to learning together? Pastor Chris talked about life groups and how important they are and vital they are. We need you to get into a life group, not because we're trying to prop up a ministry, because we recognize on Sunday mornings, it's really hard to connect here when you're getting real with each other. Sure, you can have some prayer time with people and you have some great conversations in the cafe. Those are great. We hear a great word from the Bible as well. Absolutely. However, there's a component of our lives that we've got to be able to dive into each other and get real and get authentic and be there for each other. And one of the greatest ways you can do that for our church here is through a life group. It's a great way to connect. Is it the only way to connect? No. However, we are saying what a great place to go to get encouragement, to find hope, and to find support. You know, as Pastor Chris talks about the spiritual warfare series come up, we want you to get engaged with other people as you journey together because you're not in this alone. So I encourage you to think about that. How are you doing that? And that's one of the ways we can do it as life groups. We want to serve together. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus by loving and serving our church and our community. And the Bible says, serve one another humbly in love. We do a great job here. We got great meals and people are kicking in. We got opportunities going left, right, and center, which is really good. Have you dove in? Have you decided to serve into the gifts and the abilities that God has given you? And as a church, if we can decide that and figure out what our gifts and our abilities are, we will be wired in the right place we're supposed to be. Now think about that for a second. Some of us in this room have never figured out your spiritual gift because you have been given a spiritual gift. 
And if you can figure out what that is, God is gonna open the doors for you so you can thrive in that gift and so others can be blessed by your gift. Sometimes we serve in the church, but we're not really serving in our wheelhouse. We're just kind of doing it because it's for the sake of doing it. But I encourage you to start thinking about how can you serve even more so in how God has wired you. Not just in this church, but in the places you live as well. If you need to figure out your spiritual gift, talk to us as staff. We'll walk you through a process. There's lots of free tools out there that can help you understand how you're wired and how you can serve. See, I know what my spiritual gifts are, and I'm the first guy to say, I am not going to lead worship. You don't want me to lead worship at all. I will empty out this room. But there are things that I know God has wired me for that I love to do. And there have been times in my life where I've tested that call where I've said, okay, what's God leading me to do? And I've tested it out and I've figured out this is how I'm wired and God has put me in that direction. And maybe you need to do the same thing because the blessing will be for the church and for God's kingdom as you serve in the ministries of what's going on here. We want to grow together, folks. We are a church that welcomes all people and desires to help others to know, love, and follow Jesus. That's the kind of church we want to be. We want to help people get connected here. We want people to grow. We want people to find out who Jesus is. And as people come through our doors, we want them to feel welcomed. See, sometimes what happens in our church is we can be friendly, but how welcoming are we? We can be friendly to each other because we know each other. But how well do we do when there's somebody new here? We might be doing really good at the first impression. Hey, good to see you. Glad you're here. Here's a mug for you. All those great things. We taught them a little bit. Then what happens after? What do we do with the in-between? See, I'm going to be real honest with you guys right now. I get in trouble, but that's all right. See, Meadowbrook, you folks do a great job of welcoming people at the front end. You do. You really do. And you do a decent job in the middle end, but then something falls off the wayside. And what I mean by that is, and not all of you, what I'm saying is a general perception and conversation I've had with some people that say, Meadowbrook's great at welcoming you. But then after, what happens? You kind of fall off the radar. And that's on me as well. I get that. And why I say that is because we want to welcome all people as much as we can all the time. And it's hard, too, because what happens for people, and I'm going to speak out of my own family for a second, because I want to be real with you guys. See, we don't have family here. Laura and I, we moved here from Alberta. We have no family. And you guys have been so gracious to us and invited us. It's been great. And we can deal with all of that, being out here without family. It's a part of the deal. And there's other people on our staff that don't have family here. I get it. But here's the thing. When you don't have family here, and people come to our churches and we're not connecting with them, because we have our family to connect with. Please hear this. Connect with your family. Do your Sunday meals. Do all those things. Those are great. But expand the circle. Expand that table. Invite more people. Invite different people. That's how we grow our church. Through relationship. Because what did we talk about a few minutes ago? Love who first? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? And then we love others. It's simply about expanding your circle of influence, making that dinner table a little bit bigger and seeing what God can do in and through that. Because friends, there's people that come to church every Sunday and they walk out of here feeling so disconnected. And that's the reality of most churches in the world. But if we can stand in the gap a little bit, 
I think it will make a huge difference. The Bible says this in Colossians 1. It ties into the growing piece. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. I love that. Please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Did you catch that? Endurance and patience because we're hanging out with God and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Amazing. Growing together. Together. That's a word that you got to keep hearing. We're in this together. A couple more points. Giving. Because God has extravagantly been generous with us, we wish to be generous with God and with others as well, sharing our service, our time, our talents, and our finances. And the Bible says, freely you have received, freely give. I'm amazed at the Thanksgiving offering around here. In case you don't know, every year at Thanksgiving, there's two Sundays where it's focused, it's taken, and offerings given up as announcements are made about certain areas. And it blows me away how generous y'all are. It's amazing. So hats off. Like seriously. And not just the Thanksgiving Sunday. There's so many other things that happen behind the scenes that people just write a check for and back it up with money. Amazing. Good for you. Keep doing it. No matter how big or small it is, keep doing what you're doing there. That's a part of it. That's a part of giving. But there's another part of our giving as well is our time, our resources, our energy, our life, our ability to be uncomfortable because it's going to cost me something. See, we need to also give over our time and our talents as well. And what happens sometimes in our church, there's 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And that can be really hard on a church. That can be hard on people. But as I said earlier, we are all gifted to serve somewhere. And sometimes you look around, you go, where are the people going to be to help us out? And it's the same people. Bless their hearts. But there's other people that aren't diving in the way they're called to do. And I encourage you to dive in fully. Give of yourself because you're not giving to Meadowbrook, even though God's using this as a vessel for the kingdom. You're giving to Jesus. You're giving to Jesus. And some of you are so gifted so gifted and you're not involved yet and what a blessing it would be for the church and for you and the kingdom if you dive in more fully because you are so gifted and we see that going the bible says this therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i commanded you our goal is to reach out to people both locally and globally loving them in practical ways and introducing them to Jesus. Now, we have missionaries we support in Canada and in Thailand and other places as well. Love it. Fantastic. And those folks are called to go, and we want to support them. And now for us locally here, what are we doing to reach people for the kingdom of God? Now, I know sometimes when we talk about evangelism in the context of the church, it can be pretty scary for people. Whoa! That's scary. I can't share the gospel. That's for somebody else who has the gift. Here's the thing. All of us can share the gospel because we can talk about what Jesus has done in our own life to give Jesus away because we're all called to be witnesses. And if we truly believe that Jesus is the son of God and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead and he's coming back one day and he gives us hope, he gives us favor, he gives us joy and peace, why are we so afraid to tell people about him? I, that's the part I just, I can't fathom. 
And this is for all of us, myself included. I can always sharpen up the evangelism dial. Now, as you think about your life, as you think about the people that God has put you in, in the community you live in, the place you work, the people in your family, what are you doing to engage people that are far from Jesus? And I'm talking about actually using words as well. Because someone's going to tell them. And this is about us being in this together. Because as you look around this morning, we are in this together. You are not alone. I struggle in this as well. Our staff struggles in this as well. We are not perfect. However, as we look around, we say, you know what? We are in this together, heart and soul. That's what we're about. That's what a church can be about. And when the church is thriving and the church is the hope of the world that it's supposed to be, the gates of Hades will not prevail because of it. And this, the kingdom will grow. And this place will explode. Not just numerically. I'm talking about depth, community, authenticity, people getting healed, people being free from all the garbage they're under, people being able to share the struggle they're going through because we're creating an environment where it's safe to be broken. That's what the church is. And when the church comes together, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, it's an amazing thing. And God has done great things through Metabook. He'll continue to do so. But the question is this. Who is ultimately responsible for and take ownership of advancing the vision? Is it the pastors? Is it our church staff? Is it our leadership team? Yes. But guess what? Every single person in this room that is a Christ follower is responsible for building the kingdom of God. No one gets a pass. That's a hard truth. That's a hard truth. But it's true. See, what's incredible about this is that when we do this together, that we're in this together to build the kingdom in boldness with perseverance and advancing the, the vision for the kingdom, God will do great things in and through you and in your own life as well. Not just others, in your own life as well. So as we think about this, will you give yourself to the vision of Meadowbrook for the sake of the kingdom? See, we talk about Meadowbrook because this is your home church. This is where you come. And if you're visiting today, we're glad you're here. But we also want to recognize that God has put you here for a reason. And we're to build the kingdom. And if we're just here to come on Sunday mornings, and please hear me, Sunday mornings are important for the church, obviously, because we hear through the word, we worship together, those things are vital. But if that's the only clog in our spiritual life when it comes to diving into the church, we are missing the boat. And every single person in this room, staff included, myself included, needs to take responsibility and ownership of this vision that we have is simply loving Jesus and loving people. Do you see how easy that is, but the difference it can make in the lives and the people around us? See, what's amazing about all of this is that as you think about vision, this idea that we're in this together, and I want to say this very clearly, we are grateful for what God is doing in Mount Brook, what he's done in the past. But as we move forward, as we simplify things around here, the simple question for you and for myself, are you willing to dive all in? See, I've often said this, and I'll say it again. If, if my title wasn't pastor, I would still dive in fully for the kingdom. I'm not tied to a title. I'm tied to the vision of the kingdom. Because there's people around me in my life that are far from God, but there's people in my life also that accepted Christ, have fallen through the wayside, have given up hope, that need encouragement as well. And some of you folks are here this morning. 
But if we can come alongside as the church and be on mission and invest in the greatest mission that we've ever been told by Jesus, which I believe the Christian life is an adventure. I really do. And if we can get excited and amped up about being a follower of Christ, Jesus will get the glory. People will get baptized. People will get saved. This church will explode. You might have to do a building project. It'd be unbelievable. And not because we can wave the metal big mantra to say, look how big we are. So we can stand up front and say, this many people got baptized. This many people got saved. And who gets the glory? Jesus. That's it. Worship team, you can come up. I'm going to wrap this up. I think it's fun to talk about these things. We can talk about mission and vision until we're blue in the face. But here's the thing. What brings mission and vision to fruition, to the reality, is there has to be legs to it. There has to be commitment to it. There has to be buy-in. And if you're willing to let Jesus lead you and let Jesus continue to lead this church, and if we dive in, and we talk about these things in our lives and we model them in our lives, and these are on our website as well, I wholeheartedly believe we will reach so many people for Jesus. People that are followers of Jesus will be even deeper and deeper with Christ. We live in a community in the Leamington area where this church is placed, about 30,000 people. I was just talking to somebody this morning. They live in a place called Steinbeck in Manitoba. Their population, check this out, is about 16 to 17,000 people. Their church is over 5,000. So over a third of the people in that community go to church. Doesn't mean they're all saved. It just means they're going. Now, I'm not a big numbers guy, but I will believe this. Numbers can tell a story. They don't tell the whole story, but they can tell a story. If we can pray into it, if we can lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and allow him to change us from the inside out and let the Holy Spirit release to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do, Incredible things will happen. So the question is, are you all in? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is your church, and we come before you, and we ask that you continue to bless and guide this church. Thank you for the heritage of this church. Thank you for all the people that have come before us who have invested, who have put the blood, sweat, and tears into this church. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We're so grateful. Thank you for the roots that are here. And as we move forward, as we look to what's ahead, Lord, we ask that you would anoint, you would bless, you would release the power of the Holy Spirit amongst all of us and that Meadowbrook and the other churches in this community would be together to build your kingdom so many people would be saved, get baptized, get deeper understanding of who you are through your word. And I pray, God, every single person here would be moved by the power of your Holy Spirit to do things for your kingdom that will further the development and the growth of the kingdom. God, thank you for the gifts and abilities of the people that are here for this church, and we commit all of this to you. We commit every ministry to you. We commit our teams to you. We commit everything to you, Lord Jesus, our lives, and we ask for the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So when people hear about Meadowbrook Church, they will see that we know and we love you, and that people can come here and be themselves and feel safe. And so Lord, thank you. Thank you for how people are so hospitable here. Thank you for 
how you use this church. And we ask, God, that we would not rest on that, but we would lean into you and ask in faith, Jesus, that you would blow us away by the power of who you are and you would do things that are so incredible that we'd give you all the glory and the praise because it's all from you. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. We proclaim the faithfulness of God over Meadowbrook Church and the faithfulness that has been shown already from generation to generation in this place. God, you have been so good over and over and over again. And we proclaim the faithfulness of God moving forward now into new seasons of ministry, new opportunities for the gospel, new ways to build the kingdom of God. As we look to you, as we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, Father, build and advance your kingdom in this place and through this place in the name of Jesus. And as we look to you and as we trust in you, as we follow your word, as we follow your ways, we look forward, Lord, with great anticipation to what you are going to do in Meadowbrook and through Meadowbrook. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all ours and 10,000 besides. Great is your faithfulness. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll have some people up here to pray. If anyone wants to pray, other than that, God bless you. We will see you next Sunday.